0: Thank you, Carol. We're glad you're home. And I hope we catch whatever it is that you have. Good morning. Uh, let's, let's pray together before we look at the Scriptures. Oh, Father, we, um, we are so grateful. So many of us can uh, relate to the, the words of that song. First of all, in our salvation, that we could be your children, that we could be forgiven by our holy God, that we could walk with you every day, knowing your presence is with us, knowing that we have a hope of being with you forever. Father, we don't deserve that. We're not worthy of that. But it's by your mercy, it's by your grace. Thank you for reaching down to us. And father, some of us find ourselves at times in situations where we get to minister to other people. And Lord, it can be hard. It it can be something that causes us to be weary sometimes even have doubts about ourselves and our ability to minister. And yet, God, again, your mercy, your grace, you choose to use us, to use us as you work in people's lives, and we thank you for that. Father, as we look at how Paul experienced that, and his perspective on it, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today in some way, whatever you have planned for us. In Christ's name, amen. So you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Uh, We are going through that book in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, and we are in chapter 2 today. Second Corinthians, chapter 2. On a weekday in November of 1995, I was invited by a man to have lunch at Four Corners. I miss lunch at Four Corners. But he had invited me and so we met for lunch there. The conversation ended up being him criticizing me and criticizing our church in many different ways. Eventually, just in doing that, he, I guess, kind of agitated himself because he, he ended up making a statement quite loudly, so that others in the restaurant heard and looked our way. And this is what he said. He said, I predict if you and the church don't change in three years, the church will fall apart. And I had to spend just a few seconds in my mind Trying to decide what do I do now? What do I say? Do I defend myself just as loudly as he did, so those who heard him hear me? Um, do I try to be calm and share my convictions with him about um, myself and how our church does things? And after being embarrassed like that, can I do that and still do it in a caring way for him? So after those few seconds of how I would respond, what did I say? I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. But I do know... But that was twenty-eight years ago, and here we are. But as I rethink some of those things and you know, examples of that in the past uh, in ministry, I find myself really being able to relate to the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter that we call Second Corinthians. Because often in this letter he is Addressing criticism. He's addressing things that are being said about him. Things that uh, deal with him personally. That aren't true. Things that uh, deal with his ministry. And how he did his ministry that aren't true. And things about um, even his character that aren't true. Uh, They're being spread by people he calls deceitful workers, uh, false teachers. But also, some of the people in the Corinthian church are believing these things about Paul and his ministry. That probably hurts him more than the fact that there's these deceitful workers and false teachers saying these things. And so as I've told you as we get going in this series we're going to find every so often he addresses those things and he does that in our passage today and so that's what we're going to be looking at uh, we're going to start in uh chapter 2 verse 12 that's where we left off last week chapter 2 of second corinthians Verse 12. And we're just going to uh, read through it a little by little and want to comment on what we're seeing there. So, uh, first of all, verses 12 and 13. He says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Now, that doesn't sound too important, but let me just comment on that. Uh, Paul says that he was in Troas, which is in Asia. And he says, in Troas, the Lord opened a door for me to share the gospel. But he says, I didn't have a peace. I had this anxiety because Titus wasn't there and he was supposed to meet me there. And as we learned last week, Paul had sent Titus back to Corinth with this severe letter, remember? Addressing this situation that he'd been addressing for four and a half years. And apparently... Titus was supposed to come back to Troas, meet him there, and share how it went. What was the response to this letter? But he gets to Troas, no Titus. And so he decides to leave Troas, and think about this, to leave the open door for ministry and go west across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia. So that's what he's he's saying here. Verse 14. He says, "But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere, whether it's Troas or Macedonia. But he spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So Paul says, I I made that decision. The door was open for ministry in Troas, but I just was so anxious to hear how how you had responded to the letter that Titus brought. I went over to Macedonia. And he says, thank God, because no matter where he leads us, he uses us. He uses us to spread this fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. So I get him as saying whether I had decided to stay in Troas or not, no matter where I am, everywhere, God uses me to spread the fragrance of Christ. Now there's a couple of interesting word pictures there. First of all, notice he says, God. God leads us in his triumphal procession. Now, if you were the Corinthians, hearing that read to you, you would get a picture in your mind right away, and you would know what he's talking about. Triumphal procession. They would picture a Roman victory parade. Because whenever the Romans would go and fight a battle or a war, After the victory, there would be a triumphal procession back to Rome. There would be this victory parade. And you'd have the general uh, who led in that battle. You would have the soldiers. You would have any captives that were taken. You would have people carrying all the loot, the booty that they took from those enemies. And you would even have a few priests in the parade. And the priests would be swinging these, uh, bowls that had spices and incense burning. So there would be this parade with all these, uh, victors in it, general leading them. You probably would have maybe music, I don't know. But you'd have this aroma. You'd have this fragrance from the spices. And so the Corinthians would know exactly what he's talking about. They would get the picture here. He says, no matter where we go, God leads us. And no matter where it is, we are a fragrance, an aroma of Christ, our leader, our victor. And he says, when we do that... Notice, we are to God the aroma, verse 15, of Christ, among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So wherever we go, he says God is leading us, he's using us, and wherever it is, we are the aroma, we are the fragrance of Christ. We represent Christ. We point to Christ. We We try to be the kind of people that when we're around folks, they think of Jesus. Not that there's this smell coming from us, but it's a word picture, right? We are the aroma, the fragrance of Christ. We make people think of Jesus by our lives and our ministry. And both groups experience it, he says. There are those who are drawn to it, drawn to this fragrance of Christ in our lives and being saved. It's a beautiful thing to them. This aroma of Christ is just what they need. It's what they want. They're drawn to it and they respond. But he said also, there are those who are perishing. And to them, it's not something that draws them. It's something they want to get away from, this reminder of Jesus that we give off through our lives and our ministry. So he says in verse 15, we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To those who are perishing, who want nothing to do with Christ. They want to get away from that message. They want to get away from who we represent, Jesus. But he says to the other, we're the fragrance of life. They're attracted to it, they want it. And he says, and who is equal to such a task? What does that mean? I think we get a little insight into Paul's view of his ministry. I think when he says, and who is equal to this task, he's saying, how could I be worthy? How could I be deserving of getting to have this kind of ministry? To go to all these places and represent Jesus. He leads me and he uses me. No matter where I am, to spread this fragrance of Christ. Some of you who might be in ministry situations, and it could be anything, it could be teaching, it could be, um, you know, who knows, going to Panama, whatever it is. um, you, You might identify with that kind of thinking. I mean, who is equal to this task? How am I worthy? That God would want to lead me to do this. How do I deserve that God would use me to represent Christ? You ever think that way? Well, the answer is just what Carol's saying about it's mercy, it's grace, it's God's love. He wants to use us, <laughs> he, he wants to work through us. As an aroma of Christ, as a fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. Wherever we go, it's kind of like, it's kind of like this. There's a gift shop in Hibbing that I really like. I really like to go there. Not because I buy a lot of stuff, but it smells so good. That gift shop has a fragrance. I don't know if it's a mixture of candles. I I don't know what it is, but it has a fragrance that is so appealing to me. I enjoy it. And you would think that Janine would be the gift shop person, and I'd be eager to go. Most of the times when we go there, she's ready to go, and I'm not. Because I like the fragrance. It's pleasing. It attracts me. I bet there are people who go into that gift shop and almost feel nauseous about that fragrance. Same fragrance, but there's something that repels them. Maybe they're allergic. I don't know what it is. But once they become aware of that fragrance, they're out the door. They want nothing to do with it same fragrance that attracts me and that I want to just stay there and enjoy and be a part of. That's kind of what Paul is saying, okay? He's saying wherever we go in our ministry, our lives and our message are a fragrance of Christ. They represent Christ. They point to Christ. They draw people's attention to Christ. And to some people, That draws them. They like what they see and what they hear. They want it. They're being saved. But there are others who want nothing to do with it. They can't stand the fragrance of Christ, that we represent Him. And so they're out the door. But Paul says, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe I could be worthy. Who is equal to this? Who deserves this? Well, it's God's mercy that Paul got to have that kind of ministry. Well, then we go on in verse 17. And it looks like he has to uh, uh, address something again of these criticisms and false accusations. He says in 17, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. Isn't that interesting that even back there, way back there in the early days of Christianity, of the church, there were already people peddling the word of God for personal profit. doesn't take long, does it? The word for pedal there is the same word we would get like huckster, okay? There were already people going around trying to make money, profit for themselves from ministry. And uh, apparently there were those who were accusing Paul of that. It was one of the criticisms. That Paul was just in it for the money. Don't trust Him. And so he says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the Word of God for profit. We're not in it for the money. We're not trying to rip you off. He says, on the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. We are sent by God. We're led by God. We are used by God. He's, he's, he's letting us be part of what He's doing in people's lives. We're sent by Him. And that's our motive. And we minister with sincerity, pure motives. Not mixed, pure motives. We're not peddlers. We're not in it to take advantage of you. And the Corinthians should have known this, okay? Why? Why? Well, in Acts 18, in the first verses of that chapter, we have the record of when Paul visited Corinth for the first time, and he did a year and a half of ministry there. And the text says when he came to Corinth, he found this couple named Aquila and Priscilla, and they were tent makers. That was their occupation. And it says in Acts 18, Paul was also a tent maker, and while he was in Corinth... He helped Aquila and Priscilla in their tent-making business. Now, the Corinthians should have known that. And then if you take a look at 1 Corinthians, the, the letter right before this one, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 11. This was a letter he had written prior to, to 2 Corinthians, which again shows the Corinthians should have known this and shouldn't have started believing these uh, accusers that Paul was peddling and and just in it for money. 1 Corinthians 9, verse uh, 11. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, Shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, those who serve at the temple share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights. So in that first letter, Paul said, when I was with you, I didn't ask for any support. I did tent making to support myself. I could have had the right for you to support me as I ministered, but I didn't take that. I gave up that right. All that to say, when you come to 2 Corinthians, and he has to say, Like so many, I don't peddle the word of God. It's like, come on, Corinthians, you should know. I didn't do that. I worked for my support. So you didn't have to give me anything. But somehow these people accusing him were creating doubts in the Corinthian church that maybe Paul was taking advantage of us for his own profit. So he makes that very clear. He says, we didn't do that, and in Christ, we spoke with integrity, with sincerity, no mixed motives. Now, I want to jump into chapter 3, and I want to move to verses 4 through 6. And then we'll go back and finish up with the first three verses. So 2 Corinthians uh, 3, verse 4. Paul says, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What's he talking about there? He says, I have confidence when I... When I respond to these accusations, I'm doing it with conviction. I know what the truth is. I have confidence. And he says, my competence, my adequacy, my abilities in ministry don't come from me. I don't do it all on my own. I mean, I'm not the source of. The ability to minister like this. I I am not the one who uh, gets the credit for any kind of skill or uh, ability or competence or adequacy. What does he say? It's God that makes me adequate. It's God who makes me competent. It's God who gives me the ability to minister. If you're involved in ministry, I'm sure, like me, you've had times where you doubted your adequacy. And sometimes your no to ministry opportunities were based on the fact you didn't think you were competent, able, or adequate. But you see, in ministry, that's not where your adequacy comes from. You. It's not where your competence, your ability comes from. It's not from you. It's from the one who leads you, the one who sent you, and the one who wants to use you as a fragrance of Christ. He makes us competent. He gives us whatever ability we need. He makes us adequate for our ministry. And that's what Paul is saying. You know, he made me a minister of the new covenant, not the old, the new covenant. You know, he says the old covenant, you know, the law that That just made people aware of their sin. He said, God chose me to be a minister of the new covenant about Jesus, about life, what the Spirit can do in a person's life. But the competence comes from God. He makes that clear. In fact, verse 1, he says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Apparently there were the accusations that Paul's always bragging. He's so arrogant. He's always talking about himself. He says, are are we commending ourselves? You know, bragging about ourselves again like they say we are? And this is so good. He says in three one, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Do you think We've got to have this great resume to present everywhere we go. Do you think that in response to these critics and these accusations, I have to contact everybody I've ever known and get them to write a letter of recommendation supporting me? Do I have to gather all these people to defend me and my ministry? Do I need letters? Look what he says. Verse 2. You, yourselves, Corinthians, are our letters. I don't need somebody to write a letter for me. I don't need to personally write a resume to prove that God is leading me, that God has sent me, that God has made me adequate, that God is... Use me. I don't need to defend myself with some letter or a pile of letters. Because he says, you are my letter. And notice what he says. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show That you are a letter from Christ, the result or proof of our ministry. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. What's Paul saying? The proof of my ministry is what happened in your lives. You are the letter. You are the proof of whether or not I belong in this ministry. You are the proof of whether or not God is using me. All people have to do is read you. Get to know your heart and what the Spirit of God has done in your heart. That's all the recommendation I need. You're the letter. You are the proof of ministry. It's, it's, it's like he's saying. You know, there's some uh, there's some places in Acts 18, 1 Corinthians, where Paul actually names some people from the Corinthian church that came to Christ when he was there, that became part of that church. And uh, it's like Paul is saying to them, I don't need letters of recommendation. I don't need to write this resume. I don't need to write a, a whole defense of my ministry. He says, you are the letter. It's written on your heart whether my ministry was genuine or not. It's written on your heart whether or not God used me. So he could have just as well said, Titus Justice, You are my letter. Crispus and your family, you're my letter. Gaius, you're my letter. You're my proof of ministry. Stephanus and your family, you're my letter. People see your life and what happened. That's the proof of ministry. Fortunatus, you're the letter. Achaicus, you're the letter. These are names. Chloe, names that uh, represented people in that church who were changed when they received Jesus from Paul's preaching of the gospel. And so what he's saying is, I don't have to defend my ministry with letters and resumes and all this stuff. They just need to look at you. They just need to be around you people. And read From your hearts, what the Spirit of God did in your lives, as by the mercy of God and grace of God, as unworthy as I am, I ministered and tried to be the fragrance of Christ for that year and a half. So what can we learn from this? Because this is all about Paul, right? This is Paul talking about his ministry. He's not telling us to do anything. There's no instructions here. But he's relating something in his ministry as he has to deal with the critics. And through this, you see the outline on your, on your sheet. You know, he's basically saying, hey, God leads us. God uses us. To spread this fragrance of Christ. He sent us. That's why we came. He makes us competent. We're not bragging about our great ability and adequacy and skill. It comes from him. And he gives the proof of our ministry. We don't have to defend it. You're the proof. Corinthians, of what Jesus did by His Spirit in your lives when we were there through our ministry. Notice the common thing in all of those in that outline, God. That was Paul's conviction. God led me. God uses me. God sent me. God gave me the adequacy, and God gives the proof of my ministry just by people looking at you and seeing what God's Spirit did in your life through my efforts at ministry. That's what Paul's doing here as he responds to the critics. So what can we get from it? Well, first of all, if you're in ministry, If you're in any kind of ministry, whether it's full-time, now and then, quite consistent, whatever kind of ministry it happens to be, I think it's important for you to remember and understand what Paul is saying. God is leading you. He led you to that ministry for now. He's, He's leading you. He sent you to that ministry at this point. He wants to use you in that as a fragrance of the knowledge of Christ, to point to Jesus, to be the aroma of Christ wherever that ministry is taking place. And some people will be drawn to that and respond. Other people will want nothing to do with it. And you may be criticized, you may be falsely accused. You may even have your own doubts. And you don't have to defend yourself. And you don't have to keep proving yourself. The proof is in the hearts of the people you're ministering to. What's happening in them? because of you and how God is using you. Sometimes you hear about that. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you never hear about that. Sometimes it's further down the road. But the proof of our ministry is in the hearts of the people we minister to and what God is doing in their hearts by His Spirit because we are willing to faithfully, because He sent us and led us and wants to use us and makes us adequate, We're there. And the proof of the ministry is written on the hearts of those people. Remember that. Believe that. But if we're not in a ministry, is there something here for us? I think there is. I think there's something here for all Christians. And it's that part where Paul says, we are the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. And everywhere we go, We carry the aroma of Christ. We represent Him. How are you doing in that? As a Christian, everywhere you go, no matter where it is, especially outside of this building, you carry the aroma of Christ. You belong to Him. You represent Him. You carry the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How are you doing? When you leave someone, are their thoughts at all anywhere close to what Jesus is all about? Have they sensed from just being around you there's something different? How are we doing? And representing Christ and carrying that fragrance and aroma. We talked last week about troubles and how troubles and difficulties and trials, whatever you want to call them, um, come to us and they usually come in uh, multiples. There's more than one at a time, usually. Usually. And and some Christians will will use that as a reason why maybe right now I'm not doing too well in um, representing Jesus and and being the fragrance of Christ wherever I go, you know. Um, But just wait. When I get through this trial, when this difficulty is over, I'll be out there carrying the fragrance of Christ. Hey, guess what? If you're breathing you're going to have troubles. If one goes, another comes. In multiples. I hope you've lived long enough to know that. In fact, Jesus said that. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Guaranteed. Because this isn't our home. In this world, you will have trouble. So as long as you're breathing, you're going to have troubles. Don't use that as an excuse for carrying the fragrance of Christ wherever you go. And letting him use you to point people to Jesus and think about Jesus. Sometimes we get so caught up in our troubles that we carry the fragrance of our troubles. And when we leave someone, all they think of are the troubles, our troubles. Because we just carry the fragrance of our troubles. Or we carry the fragrance of our worldliness, even if we're Christians. We're no different than the world, and, and, and that's the fragrance we carry. If we belong to Christ, we are to carry His fragrance. We are to be the aroma of Christ wherever we go, as God leads us and uses us. And so that I think we can really um, spend some time thinking about that. Uh, from this passage on that subject. Um, I think I'm going to just close by rereading a verse here. Verse 14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. That is to be our life and testimony that no matter where we are, God uses us to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. Don't spread any other Fragrance, spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ, whether in ministry or not. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Apostle Paul. Lord, uh, once again, we're reminded that it was not a glamorous life to be the Apostle Paul and to do the ministry he did. Thank you for letting us see how he handled the criticism, how he handled the accusations. Thank you for his conviction about his message that you gave him, his conviction about his motives, because he was sent by you. Thank you that he can address these things with conviction, but also, Lord, with this this concern and care for even the people who criticized him. Help us to learn from that, Lord. And then God also, could you help us to represent you well? Could you help us even this week, no matter where we are, to remember we are the fragrance of Jesus Christ. We represent him. We are out there to cause people's attention to be drawn to you, to our Lord and Savior. Help us to represent you well. Amen.